0: All right, how's everybody doing today? Hotep, hey, this is Michael. I'm Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecture writer, and historian. So it is Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022, and we are live. All right, I wanted to come on uh, and talk for a short period of time. I wanted to give an overview of uh, a preview of the online class, uh, that I teach on, uh, Wednesdays, ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. But also I wanted to talk about, um, this topic and we just, we deal with this in uh, my 10 week online class. Uh, I wanted to deal with this topic of African empires and African civilizations that Europeans tried to claim as their own. And in some cases, Arabs tried to claim it as their own as well. And this goes beyond Kemet. This goes beyond Egypt. Egypt is one of them. That's probably the most prominent. But there are others as well. And I I posted a video on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Some of you all saw this video. It got got about 1,500 likes. And it deals with this uh, white archaeologist who finds out that the uh uh ancient africans this is dealing uh, this one here is dealing with uh nubia um he finds out that the uh, ancient uh uh egyptian pharaohs and the nubians were were black africans and he's shocked okay i'm gonna i'm gonna show you that here in just a minute okay but uh we do a thousands of years of history and what leads up to uh, the transatlantic slave trade taking place in this 10 week online. So we'll give you some information how you could register for it, and how you could join us in class uh, today at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, but you're going to learn a lot in this 10 uh, week online course. So if we look at some of these uh, African empires that Europeans tried to claim uh, as their own, uh, the first one that, that we'll look at would be that of nubia okay the first one would be uh nubia and uh or tahesi or Tasseti, okay and uh nubia exists from about 4500 uh bce before the common era uh to 500 a.d okay and somebody e, e. verdi says south sudan like the egyptian yeah so you're looking at the uh lower portion of uh kemet or egypt in the upper portion of the sudan this is the area that was uh, nubia okay and you're going to have a larger region that's going to be kush that's a that's basically a region as opposed to a country okay so uh let's look at this here and i'll post uh, we have information here in the thread of the broadcast to register for the class also visit our website the africanhistorynetwork.com the African History Network.com. And uh you can register for the class right now. Okay, and I'll post the uh I'll post the information here on the thread of the broadcast as well. The class is on sale sixty dollars, regularly $130. It's on sale for a limited time only. Okay, so ancient Nubia or Tasseti, or Taset also known as Kush, was a region along the Nile River located in uh, northern Sudan and southern Egypt. Located in northern Sudan and southern Egypt, or Kemet, it was home to some of the uh, uh, some of Africa's earliest kingdoms. Known for uh, rich deposits of gold, uh, Nubia was a major trading port for luxury goods that came from sub-Saharan Africa, such as incense, ivory, and ebony. Now the first uh, monarchy of recorded history was established in Nubia. Uh, the Nubians were also known for their exceptional archery skills. Okay, their e- exceptional archery skills uh, that provided the uh, uh, military strength for their rulers. Okay, so one of the names of Nubia is also uh, land of the bow. Okay, land of the bow. This is what Tasseti means. Land of the Bow. Um, the you'll also hear referred to as Tanah as well. The southern portion is uh, Tanah Hesi, if I remember correctly. Tanahesi. Now, kings of uh, Nubia ultimately conquered uh, and ruled Egypt for about a uh, hundred years, for so about one century. Monuments still stand in modern Kemet or m- modern Egypt and Sudan at the sites where. Nubian rulers built cities, temples, and royal pyramids. Now, in the 1800s, uh, the Western world's interest in Nubia was awakened by the discovery of the ancient empire's monuments, which were reported almost simultaneously by individual British, French, and American explorers. Many of them found it difficult to credit indigenous Africans for building such a civilization. Now, this is the same thing that we found with ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. Europeans found it hard to uh, ascribe the pyramids and the temples to indigenous black African people. All right. And one of the theories. And if you read. um, Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization by Tony the We use in the 10-week online class. I'm around, we're going to do like 11 to 12 weeks because some sessions I had to cut short because of my work schedule. Um, one of the theories was from these European archaeologists and, and scientists, things like this. One of the theories was that the ancient Egyptians were brown-skinned Caucasians. This is one of the theories that they had, at, you know, over the years. They said that they were brown-skinned Caucasians they tried to uh they tried to classify them as anything but being black African but being negro okay they said no they they, they maybe they're Semites maybe they're uh uh descended from this these people maybe they're uh, brown-skinned Caucasians anything but black Africans okay now so uh, many of many of these scientists and archaeologists found it difficult to credit indigenous Africans for building such a civilization. Then you had some idiots who said, uh, oh, well, it m- maybe aliens built the uh, the pyramids because we can't we, we you know, they can't figure this out. So maybe aliens built the pyramids. Now. There 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 are. Um, twice as many pyramids in the sudan as there are in egypt there are twice as many pyramids in the sudan as there are in egypt okay the only child said there is a study guide uh to Nile valley contributions to civilization that is true i do i have the study guide also (laughs) okay browder is a friend of mine i've interviewed him a number of times on uh I've interviewed him a number of times on the African History Network show, and this would be the study guide for Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization. I have that as well. Okay. All right. Also, I talked to Browder about he went to, uh, he was speaking at an educational summit in South Africa. Cause I want to uh, do another interview with them. Okay. Now let's continue here. Okay. So I, I, I showed this video, I, 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 um, shared this video on our Facebook fan page, the African history network a couple of days ago and people have been watching it. They've been going crazy over it. It's gotten over 1500 likes. And I, and I see other people have been sharing our video and other Facebook platforms uh, have been sharing the video as well. Okay. So remember, we were one of the first ones, share it. But uh, in this video here, you have this European scientist, all right? And uh, he's disappointed when he finds out that ancient Egyptian pharaohs were black Africans. He's disappointed. And when I when I posted this on our Facebook page, I said, who the hell did he expect the ancient Egyptians to be? Brown skinned Caucasians? because this is this is the information that is that has been put forth but the same thing applies to Nubia because these are cousins okay these are cousins the, the same thing applies and then when you then when you see movies like Cleopatra starring Elizabeth Taylor what this does is this colonizes people's minds not just Europeans but also african people african americans it colonizes our minds it makes us think that these historical uh figures were europeans and they were not this this is the problem every easter when people sit up and watch the ten commandments starring you brenner as uh, as uh ramses okay the egyptian pharaoh the comedic pharaoh ramses wasn't no european he was african that's a whole I've, I've done a whole presentation dealing with uh the history of easter we did this uh um we did it earlier this year. We did it um April right around Easter time 2022 to get deep into it and deal with the Exodus story as well. Okay? Cuz the Exodus story is problematic, all right? So so you trying to tell me, I'm going to show this video in just a second, but hold on. You trying to tell me that 2 million people it was, it was supposed to be 2 million uh people that that exited out of out of Kemet, out of Egypt, okay? You're trying to tell me that two million Hebrews or Jews or however you want, however you want to describe them. Two million of them wandered in the desert for 40 years. You're trying to tell me two million of them wandered in the desert for 40 years. Where did they get water from for two million people for 40 years? In the desert. What did they eat in the desert? Two million people for 40 years now. I can hear some people right now complaining and things like this. So let let me let me do let me show you. I want to show you this source for you to go research this yourself. Documentation ends all conversation. You don't have to worry. I say go research this yourself. Okay. Now this article here, and this was part of part of my research and, and part of the presentation I did earlier in the year. When we dealt with easter and the exodus and, and and all that history okay this is from history.com which is the official website of the history channel this is an article called passover okay so article go pass called passover we'll read this entire article all right and it goes through and deals with the biblical story of easter and uh the israelites departure from ancient egypt and all this that's in the bible that's in the helios biblos the sun book helios is in reference to to sun s-u-n the helios bible so it goes through and talks about the passover story which is really a story about killing african male children okay uh it was supposed to be uh all the african male children under two years old these weren't europeans they were killing these weren't european children they were killing who were they killing african children okay so it goes through and talks about the 10 plagues and and all of that that we read that we learned about in sunday school for me it was catechism class because i grew up catholic so we went to catechism school on saturday as opposed to sunday school on sunday okay then it talks about according to the bible and things like this then it gets to a portion then it gets to this part right here questions of historical accuracy questions of historical accuracy okay now we have to understand this world history is in world history books religious literature is in religious literature books okay world history and religious literature are not the same thing and this is where a lot of our people get confused now i may say some things that are outside of the circumference of your own awareness just because you disagree with them or don't like them uh, or haven't heard them before does not mean that they are not true. It just means you have to do some research To understand what I'm talking about. Okay, and I learned this one from uh, one of my teachers dr. Ray Higgins and uh, I usually have this uh, in my presentations, especially You know when I do presentations and especially when I do presentations in person and uh, I may be dealing with a mixed audience Uh, may have different races in the audience, things like this. Okay. So I usually have people put their fingers together, uh, to form a circle. And I usually say something like this, the space inside this circle represents my realm of knowledge. Everything that I think I know about whatever I think I know is represented within the circumference of this circle. I must keep in mind that there are still things to know that exist outside the circumference of my own awareness. So the reason why I say this is is because oftentimes uh, when people hear something that contradicts what they believe or what they think they know, they automatically reject it without doing any research to determine the validity of the new information that they're they're learning. And they usually don't use that same level of scrutiny to analyze, critique, or evaluate what it is they believe or what they think they know. So uh, just because you know everything that what you know does not mean you know everything there is to know about what you know. There's still things that exist outside the circumference of your own awareness. Okay, so I say that to say this here. So this this section here of this article from History.com. History.com is the official website of the History Channel. In the article called Passover, it says questions of historical accuracy questions of historical accuracy and it says for centuries scholars have been debating the details and historical merit of the events commemorated during during the passover holiday okay for centuries uh scholars have have debated have been debating the details and historical merit of the events commemorated during the Passover holiday. Despite numerous attempts, despite numerous attempts, historians and archaeologists have failed to corroborate the tale of the Jews' enslavement in and mass ex- and mass exodus from Egypt. Okay. They have failed to corroborate the tale of the Jews' enslavement in Egypt and their mass exodus from Egypt, okay? Now, this is not anti-Semitic. This is not being against anybody. This is understanding history, okay? Go read this article. This is not me saying this. This is what the History Channel is telling you. Now, they go on to say, although the ancient Egyptians kept thorough records, no mention is made of an Israelite community within their midst or any calamities resembling the 10 biblical plagues. There is also no evidence of large encampments in the Sinai Peninsula, the fabled site of the Jews wandering, or any sudden fluctuation in Israel's archaeological record that would indicate the departure and return of a large population. Do you, you realize that 2 million people or 1.5 million or, or a million people wandered around in a desert for 40 years or left a country and then went to another country? You, you understand that would throw off the ecology of that country and, they, and, 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 and it would leave archaeological remnants behind, archaeological evidence? stuff you can't you can't just write something in the history and 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 don't realize that people in history leave uh archaeological footprints okay this stuff doesn't happen a hand it goes on to say a handful of scholars including the first century jewish historian josephus which would be spelled with the y because the letter j wasn't created 1630 a.d have suggested a link between the israelites and the hyksos and mysterious semitic people possibly from canaan who controlled lower egypt for more than 100 years before their expulsion during the 16th century bce before the common era most modern academics however have dismissed this theory due to chronological conflicts and they lack a lack of similarity between the two cultures okay so read the, read this full article don't just read the part about question of historical accuracy read that definitely because this gets left out when people sit up and watch the 10 commandments every easter okay Th- this gets left out of the conversation but read that full article from history history.com okay now i want to go back to uh PowerPoint presentation. And these are some slides from the class that I teach also. Okay. The 10-week online class teaching Kim at the Moore's and the Ma'afa Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade. Um, and we have a we normally teach this class on Wednesday, 7 p.m. uh to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I'm teaching the class at our online school tonight, so you can register for the uh full course. And we do the sessions live, all the sessions are archived and recorded. So you can go back and watch the classes anytime a year from now, two years from now, you can watch the entire class. Okay, uh, so so here's what happened with uh, this uh, this scientist who didn't know that ancient Egyptian pharaohs were Africans. Uh, Let's go here. I'm going to get this to play. Just a second here. Let's see. Why isn't this? Hold on. I may have to go to the video on my Facebook page for it to play. Um, There is a... Okay, let's do it this way. Just pull up on my Facebook page. Uh, hold on. the CT scan has one more surprise for Alejandro. Shamai's ethnicity. Well. Okay, here, let's play it. Uh, let's play it off of Facebook. They have just told me that uh, Shamai had a Nubian. Let me see, let's back this up.
1: Future, which means that um, the ruling family was probably New in and th- that was unexpected.
0: Examination of the thickness of his bone and the shape of his nasal cavity, the anthropologists think he was a black African, likely from neighboring Nubia. A huge revelation that challenges the prevailing image of the Egyptian ruling
1: we also, the ancient Egyptian elites, were Mediterranean type. And in this sense, Shemai were presenting the society of, uh, of the upper frontier, in which different ethnic uh, groups were mixed. At the end, does matter the color of your skin, Shema was Egyptian.
0: Okay. All right. So, what... He said that they thought that the ancient Egyptians were uh, Mediterranean. This is another This is another way they tried to obfuscate the history. Okay, so they tried to say the ancient Egyptians were Mediterranean, brown-skinned, Caucasians, anything but black Africans. All right, I'm going to play this again. Uh, Scientists disappointed when he finds out that the ancient Egyptian pharaohs were black africans and they they mentioned nubia in here as well okay so let me pull this back up and i tried this uh it it, it played uh in powerpoint it played in powerpoint um before i broadcast when i was testing everything out but it won't it won't play now Okay, let's see. Let's go to this here. All right, let's try to play. I hate these videos, and well, Facebook. they have just told. one more surprise for Alandro, Shemai's ethnicity. Well,
1: they have just told me that uh, Shemai had a Nubian feature, which means that um, their ruling family was probably Nubian, and th- that was unexpected.
0: Examining Shemai's anatomy closely, the thickness of his bone and the shape of his nasal cavity the anthropologists think he was a black African, likely from neighboring Nubia. A huge revelation that challenges the prevailing image of the Egyptian ruling class. We always thought
1: the ancient Egyptian elites were Mediterranean type, and in this sense, Shemai is representing the society of uh, of the frontier, in which different ethnic uh, groups were mixed. At
0: the end it doesn't matter the color of your skin. Shemai was Egyptian. All right. So he says he has to admit Shemai was Egyptian. He said it doesn't matter the color of your skin, blah blah blah. Okay. He said they thought the they thought the Egyptian elite were a Mediterranean type. Just just more nonsense. Okay, so he got a um He got a real wake up call with uh, that scientific discovery. Now, during the 1840s, uh, German Egyptologist Carl Richard Lepsius, uh, who lived from 1810 to 1884, asserted confidently that the Greek term Ethiopian, the Greek term Ethiopian, when referring to the ancient civilized people of Cush, Did not apply to Negroes. He said it did not apply to Negroes, but was used to describe reddish skinned people closely related to the Egyptians who, quote, belong to the Caucasian race, end quote. Okay, so they're trying to ascribe um, the uh, uh, Egyptians and Nubians, things like this. Uh, They're trying to ascribe them to the Caucasian race and and say and describe them as reddish skinned people okay they also said that the egyptians were brown-skinned caucasians brown-skinned caucasians now we um historically like in uh ancient kemet but also we see this in ethiopia somalia um a, a, a lot of them had didn't have uh, broad noses and thick lips. Some of them have more aquiline features, narrow noses, thinner lips, some of them. Okay. These were still black Africans. So we see all these mental gymnastics that take place with people who don't want to admit that, uh, one of the greatest civilizations in history was, uh, Created by black African people They don't they don't want to deal with that. All right, and we see the same thing with Nubia Okay, we see the same thing with Carthage where you have Hannibal Barker and the Carthaginians Okay, how's everybody doing? Give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart Give us a like on this broadcast share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Also Be sure to uh, register for the 10-week online class that I teach uh, On Wednesday with understanding the slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So we teach this uh, on Wednesday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., about 9 p.m. or so, uh, Eastern Standard Time, uh, on Wednesdays. Okay. So we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Just click right here and register here to register. Classes on sale, sixty dollars regularly, one hundred thirty dollars. So I'm just, and this is one of the topics. That we deal with in the class um african empires that europeans try to claim as their own now on tuesdays i teach from the civil war to the civil rights movement and black power 1865 to 1968 uh we had a great class yesterday we're going to do part two of that coming up in the next few days this class is on sale sixty dollars as well we we start in the 1800 with the uh 1800 census and then we look at the louisiana purchase of 1803 and the Haitian revolution because those two events are related and we go through our history chronologically and see what leads up to the civil war reconstruction jim crow era uh great migration world war one world war two civil rights movement black power movement we also have a bundle pack here of both classes you can get both classes right now for very limited time only for 100 100 as uh uh, over $300 value because there's bonus content that you get. So click here, register here for that. And if you've taken any of my online classes in the past, you can email me through the website. Click on Contact the African History Network, email me, and you'll get a, a 50% discount. Or email us at show at the African History Ahnshow at the African History And I just posted the link here to uh, register for the classes these courses make a great gift also you can uh get the register somebody else if you want to and you can uh, use these for your children i would say the content is pg-13 you can use these for your children as uh, as well okay let's continue here um so during the 1840s um uh, german egyptologist carl richard Lepsius asserted confidently that the greek term ethiopian when referring to the ancient civilized people of Kush did not apply to Negroes, but was used to describe reddish skinned people, reddish skinned people closely um, related to the Egyptians who belonged to the Caucasian race. All right, let's continue now. Nubia was, uh, in recorded history, is the first recorded monarch, okay, or monarchy. Now, ancient Egypt is uh, the first major civilization in Africa for which records are abundant. It was not, however, Africa's first kingdom, uh, and and we know that um, Nubia is the mother of Kemet. Tanahesi Tasseti is the mother of ancient Kemet. Um, the the grandmother of Kemet would be Abyssinia or Ethiopia okay because civilization flows up the Nile River so the grandmother is Abyssinia or Ethiopia Nubia is the mother uh, and then you have ancient Kemet so there was a uh, there was an article from the New York Times from March 1st 1979 March 1st 1979 and I I read the article today I've seen excerpts of the article uh, previously but I read the article in its entirety today Uh, A March 1st, 1979 uh, article uh, from the New York Times, it was a front page article written by journalist Boyce uh, Rensberger, R-E-N-S-B-E-R-G-E-R, Rensberger, reported, quote, evidence of the oldest recognizable monarchy in human history preceding the rise of the earliest Egyptian king's by several generations has been discovered in artifacts from ancient Nubia, has been discovered in artifacts from ancient Nubia or Tasseti. The artifacts, including hundreds of fragments of pottery, jewelry, stone vessels, and ceremonial objects such as incense burners, were initially recovered from the uh coastal uh, q-u-s-t-u-l cemetery by keith c seal s-e-e-l-e a professor at the university of chicago now uh when we look at the definition of a monarchy so we'll consult uh encyclopedia britannica for this britannica.com a monarchy is a political system based upon the undivided sovereignty or rule of a single person, the undivided sovereignty or rule of a single person. The term applies to states in which supreme authority is vested in the monarch, an individual ruler who functions as the head of state and who achieves his or her position through heredity. They inherit it they they inherit uh, it, it, it it's, it's, uh, they inherited, okay? Uh, most monarchies allow only male succession, usually from father to son, okay? But in uh, Nubia, we saw a number of uh, African queens uh, in Nubia also. All right, okay, let's continue. Also, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, uh, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the A-H-N show. That helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. We have the information on the homepage of our, of our website as well. Uh, if we look some more at this article that was cited um, from March 1st, 1979. It's a pretty interesting article. There have been advances made. There have been more archaeological discoveries that have come out since then. But it's interesting what they were saying in 1979. I was eight years old in 1979, by the way, as well. Ancient Nubian artifacts yield evidence of earliest monarchy. This is from the New York Times, March 1st, 1979. Evidence of the oldest recognizable monarchy in human history preceding the rise of the uh, earliest egyptian kings by several generations has been discovered in artifacts from ancient nubia in africa until now it had been assumed that at that that at that time the ancient nubian culture which existed in what is now southern sudan and southern egypt has not advanced beyond had not advanced beyond a collection of scattered tribal clans and chiefdoms. The existence of rule by kings indicates a more advanced form of political organization in which many chiefdoms are united under a more powerful and wealthier ruler. The discovery is expected to stimulate a new appraisal of the origins of civilization in Africa, raising the question of to what extent later Egyptian culture may have derived its advanced political structure from the Nubians. The various symbols of Nubian royalty that have been found uh, have been found are the same as those associated in later times with Egyptian kings or Egyptian pharaohs or the Nesubites. The discovery is expected to stimulate a new appraisal of the origins of African civilization and raising questions of two, okay, that's a a duplicative. Um, The new findings suggest that ancient Nubians may have reached this stage of political development as long as, As long ago as 3300 BCE before the Common Era or BC, several generations, several generations before the earliest documented Egyptian king or pharaoh or Nesubiti. Now, the discovery. The discovery is based on a study Uh, based on study of artifacts from ancient tombs excavated 15 years ago. Okay, so that'll go back to like 1964 or so, uh, because this article's from 1979. 15 years ago, in in uh, 64, 65, in an international effort to rescue archaeological deposits between up before the rising waters of the aswan dam covered them okay so check out this article here from um the, the new york times march 1st 1979 ancient nubian artifacts yield evidence of earliest monarchy okay now another um african empire that europeans try to claim as their own all right is that of carthage and we'll talk about carthage uh in today's class and when you register for the class uh ancient kemet the moors and the maafa understanding the transatlantic slave trade at our website the african history network.com and we'll post a link here again uh so you can register uh for the course and we also have the bundle bundle court the bundle pack as well we get both classes for a hundred dollars this uh over three hundred dollar value because today we'll talk about uh, the Punic Wars and Hannibal Barca and the Battle of Canaan. Okay, so there was a, um, on the History Channel, they had a series called Barbarians Rising, Barbarians Rising. This was back in 2015. And Nicholas Pinnock portrayed uh, Hannibal Barca. Okay. Um, and he did an excellent job portraying Hannibal Barker. History Channel's newest documentary series, Barbarians Rising, tackles the fall of Rome over the course of 700 years of invasions. Um, however, the most recent episode that aired Monday depicts hannibal of carthage as a black man which he was and many white history buffs are crying foul over the what they say is historical inaccuracy in the series hannibal is portrayed by black british actor nicholas pennock he did a fantastic job of it i've posted his picture on our um, fan page the african history network before also okay so the famous carthaginian hannibal barker was a thorn in the uh, roman Empire's side he became a general at the age of 26 and managed to unite barbarian tribes to uh stop rome's imperial rise the military genius was uh, famous for climbing the alps with uh war elephants who sold per- whose sole purpose was to stomp the roman empire Hannibal Barker ultimately wanted to invade Rome, but he failed to do so. Now, there have been debates over the race of Hannibal. This debate still continues to this day. It's not much of a debate. okay? the uh, Carthaginians are descendants of the Phoenicians. Phoenicians are descendants of a larger group called the Garamantes. These are all African. These black African people. These, These are not Arabs. These are black African people. Uh, check out this article from Atlanta, Blackstar.com from June 7th, 2016. It was 2016 that the uh, series came out, uh, barbarians, barbarians rising history channel portrays Hannibal as black white people cry foul over historical revisionism. Okay. And, um, Carthage, uh, which exists from 813 BCE to 146 BCE because Rome destroys Carthage. Okay. Uh, This is another African empire that Europeans try to claim as their own as well, okay? Um, So, Carthage was founded in the 9th century BCE on the Gulf of Tunis, from the 6th century BCE before the Common Era or BC. uh, From the 6th century BCE on It developed into a great trading empire It developed into a great trading empire uh, Covering much of the Mediterranean and And was home to a brilliant civilization In the course of the long Punic Wars Which exists from 264 BCE to 146 BCE And we'll talk about the Punic Wars in, um, in class today in, in the course of the Long Punic Wars Carthage occupied Some of Rome's territories Before finally being destroyed By its rival Rome In uh, 146 BCE Now in his book World's Great Men of Color, Volume 1. Joel Augustus Rogers, uh, better known as J.A. Rogers, asserts that the Carthaginians were descendants of the Phoenicians, a Negroid people, and that, in fact, until the rise of the doctrine of white superiority, Hannibal Barker was traditionally known as a black man. So when we see a a rise in the European phenotype and uh, Europeans are coming out of the dark ages, going from the going from the 1300s into the 1400s AD, common era. As they start to conquer people's lands and enslave people, extract the mineral wealth out of their land. Europe is starting to rebuild itself. Europe had lost one quarter to one third of their population to the black death, the bubonic plague that hits in spurts from 1347 to 1400. So as they, as you have a rise in European powers, Spain and Portugal and uh, France and Germany, England, things like this, as you have a rise in european powers you have a rise in the dominance of european phenotypes so europeans start to reinterpret images that were traditionally african they start to reinterpret those as european they reinterpret the black madonna and child as as being european okay uh and the black madonna and child was worshipped all throughout europe and we know that comes from uh, Asar, Aset, and Heru, okay, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and Horus. We see Michelangelo paint the, paint the Sistine Chapel and he uses his aunt and uncle as the uh, image of Adam and Eve and he paints uh, God as being white. We see um, Hercules was traditionally black. Traditionally, African, he gets reinterpreted as being a European. We see Zeus, Zeus in Greek mythology. Zeus is said to be the king of the gods, but they say Zeus comes from Ethiopia. Okay, he gets reinterpreted as a European. So we're going to see this take place when when Europe comes uh, out of the Dark Ages. All right, now. Um, today, many encyclopedias classify the Carthaginians as whites or Semites As whites or Semites, but ancient Greek and Roman eyewitness accounts paint a different picture The indigenous peoples of Carthage were called the affairs, A-F-E-R-S The Affairs. ancient Roman poet Virgil in his poem Mortum, M-O-R-E-T-U-M speaks of a woman from the Afir or Afar, A-F-A-R, or Afra, A-F-R-A, race. And he says of her, quote, and all her figure proves her native land. And all her figure proves her native land. Her hair was curly, thick her lips, and dark her hair color. Her hair was curly, thick, her lips, and dark her hair color, unquote. Now, in uh, Library of History book 20, Roman numeral 20, XX, Roman numeral 20, Greek historian Diodorus mentions a Greek lieutenant named Agathocles, Agathocles, Agathocles who defeated a people in the area of present-day Tunisia, who were the same hue as Ethiopians. The eyewitness accounts are corroborated by physical anthropology. L. Berthelon and E. Chantre, both well-noted French anthropologists, documented their examination of skeletons throughout throughout North Africa in all periods. They note that the remains of both upper and lower class individuals of ancient North Africa were representative of the negroid race they note that the remains of both upper and lower class individuals of ancient north africa were representative of the negroid race so these were black african people all right um so that that deals with carthage and the carthaginians and the carthaginians are involved in the punic wars from About 264 to uh, about 146 uh, B.C. Uh, Then we have the uh, Kingdom of Great Zimbabwe. This is another uh, African empire. That Europeans tried to claim as their own. Now, the Kingdom of Great Zimbabwe existed from about 1220 Common Era. C.E. or A.D., to 1450 common era okay and how's everybody doing give us a thumbs up give us a heart give us a like on this broadcast how you like this type of reformation okay who still needs to register for our 10-week online class uh that i teach on wednesdays uh Ancient at the moors under of my offer understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school and what we're going to do is also we're going to have a new um session of this class start up on uh monday november 29th 7 p.m to 9 p.m eastern standard time also monday november 28th we're going to have a new uh session of this class start up uh monday november 28th and so we're gonna enroll you that's coming to an end of two or three weeks and we'll enroll you in a new class for for one price, for one cost, one admission, one uh, registration cost. So you don't have to worry about paying for both classes. OK. Um, we'll post a link again here. You can register for the classes uh, right now and you can join us in class uh, today because we normally teach these uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern standard time on Wednesday. So we'll post a link here and it's in the thread of the broadcast as well. In the Description here of um, the broadcast. Okay. Let's continue. We'll be here for a few more minutes. Um, the civilization of great Zimbabwe was one of the most significant civilizations during the medieval period. Great Zimbabwe is extraordinary because of the magnificent scale of its structures it's most uh most striking edifice uh referred to as the great enclosure the great enclosure has walls as high as 36 feet extending approximately 820 feet walls as high as 26 feet uh, 36 feet walls as high as 36 feet extending approximately 820 feet okay um the Uh, making it the largest ancient structure south of the Sahara desert. Now in the 1800s, European explorers, imperialists and colonizers were stunned by great Zimbabwe's grandeur and cunning workmanship. So they attributed the architecture to Portuguese travelers, Arabs, Chinese, Persians or even biblical characters or even biblical characters such as King Solomon and the Queen of Sheba okay once again don't want to give Africans credit for what we do okay and this is uh, what European colonizers and Imperial imperialists did now according to the Metropolitan uh, Museum of Art Archaeological investigations conducted during the first decades of the 20th century have dismissed those attributions um, and confirmed both the antiquity of the site and its African origins, both the antiquity of the site and its African origins. uh the antiquity of the site and its african origins uh it was built by the ancestors of the indigenous shona people okay who are in um uh zimbabwe today the shona okay it was built by the ancestors of the indigenous shona people in the 11th century long before the first europeans ever set foot in zimbabwe okay now the last uh african empire that we'll look at is namidia namidia not namibia okay but namidia okay which existed from 202 bc uh bce to 46 bce before the common era Now, Namidia was another great black Berber Libyan nation in northern Algeria, Namidia, during the time of the Romans and the Carthaginians. Now, this is during the time of the Punic Wars, and we're going to see Namidia side with the Romans against the Carthaginians. Now, it began as a sovereign state and later alternated status between Roman province and Roman client state. It is considered to be the first major state in the history of Algeria and the Berber world. Now, Namibia has also been classified by European and Arab historians as a Caucasian or Semitic built civilization. European and Arab historians tried to claim, um, as their own saying it was a Caucasian or Semitic built civilization. However, in uh, his book, The Destruction of Black Civilization by Dr. Chancellor Williams, Dr. Chancellor Williams declared that Libya was once so nearly all black that to be called a Libyan meant that one was black. Okay. At one point, Libya was so black that to be called a Libyan meant that one was black. The Greek, the Greek historian Herodotus, writing about Libya in his uh, book Histories, book four, stated, quote, one thing I can add about this country so far as one knows, it is inhabited by four races and four only. Of which two of these races are indigenous. Uh, 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 Two are indigenous and two are not indigenous. The indigenous peoples are the Libyans and Ethiopians. The former occupy, referring to the Libyans, occupying the northerly and the latter the more southerly parts. The immigrants are the Phoenicians. And the Greeks, the immigrants are the Phoenicians and the Greeks. Now, one of the most famous, end quote. Now, one of the most famous Berber Moors of the Roman times was Massinissa. Uh, Massinissa, uh, M-A-S-I-N-I-S-S-A. Masinissa Massinissa, who was the king of Numidia. He lives from two thirty-eight B.C.E. to one forty-eight B.C.E. Now, Massinissa assisted the romans against the carthaginians during the punic wars okay and when you study the punic wars you 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 read about this we deal with this in the class uh now this coin here depicts uh the coin depictions and statues of king masinissa confirmed with without doubt that this great berber leader and king of the moors was phenotypically a black African man with woolly hair, with woolly hair, similar to the West African type. Now, Syphax, S Y P H A X, king of the uh, Massileniens, the Mass, uh, the Mass, Massileniens, M A S A E S Y L I A N S, the Massileniens uh, uh, in media a contemporary and great rival of King Massanissa was also depicted in his coinage as a phenotypically black African. Now this is a coin of Juba the first King in the media. He lived from 85 BCE to 46 BCE. He was the King in the media. This is the front and back of uh, his coin. Okay, a, a coin depicting him, I should say All right So this is just A sample of some of the type of information we deal with In the 10-week online class that I teach Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade What they didn't teach them in school We go through and uh, Look at thousands of years Thousands of years of history And what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place Um And we look at try to look at this history as much chronologically as we can. We can't start studying our history uh, in slavery. Uh, There's some books that we reference. Also, you don't have to buy any of these books to follow along in class. Some of the uh, and these are different slides that we use in the course. Also, some of the things that we deal with uh, in the class, I'll show you this here. So we can't start studying our history and slavery, even when we study the transatlantic slave trade, which is important to study. We can't start in 1619 or in the 1440s when the Portuguese uh, get involved. Uh, We have to understand the history chronologically and deal with the 800 year occupation of, of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors who enter into the Iberian Peninsula, today known as Spain and Portugal, in uh, 711 AD, okay, Um, into North Africa in 711 AD. This course not only deals with the transatlantic slave trade, but we do with thousands of years of history that leads up to the transatlantic slave trade of African people taking place. Now, August 20th, 2019 marked the 400th year anniversary of those 20 and odd Africans on the white lion pirate ship coming into, uh, Virginia. Okay. And, uh, in point comfort coming into point comfort on August, 2016, 19 in Virginia. Now that year, 2019 was known as the year of return. As many African Americans, uh, were reconnecting and still are reconnecting to Africa and traveling to Ghana, In other West African countries. When we discuss the transatlantic slave trade, we have to first understand that African people are the original people of North, Central, and South America and have been in the land we call the United States of America or what Native Americans call Turtle Island. We've been here in this land at least 51,700 years. Now, this does not mean that the transatlantic slave trade did not happened, it means that we were here for tens of thousands of years before the transatlantic slave trade happened. It did happen, but you have to understand the history before that. So some of the things we deal with in class, what was the transatlantic slave trade? What were some of the events that led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place? What role did Christopher Columbus play? Because Columbus is crucial to understanding the transatlantic slave trade and the spread of it. When did Africans first come to the U.S. as slaves, did Africans sell themselves into slavery? We deal with that complicated history. Um, We deal with Asar, Aset, and Heru, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and Horus, links to ancient Kemet, Egypt, and early Christianity, Freemasonry, and the making of America. Um, We look at uh, work from uh, Dr. David M. Hotep, who's a friend of mine, who wrote the book, The First Americans, where Africans documented evidence. And on page 14 of his book, he deals with a discovery in Allendale County, South Carolina, in 2004, where uh, Dr. Albert Goodyear and, and his team discovered 13 different types of evidence that uh, fairly document an African presence in this country, going back at least. 51,700 years ago at least 51,700 years ago they found artifacts architecture campsites carvings egyptian writings footprints and lava genetic m174d haploid groups dealing with dna and genetics skull skeleton structures and tools they found 13 different types of evidence fairly documenting an african presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years ago and these were the Khoisan, the short statured africans Coming from southern Africa that they were talking about Now this is an article from ScienceDaily.com Which is a scientific website They have scientific discoveries there Archaeological discoveries They um, have this article from November 18, 2004 That deals with Dr. Albert Goodyear's discovery New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago okay so they give a summary of his discovery all right and what they say is is radiocarbon tests of carbonized plant remains where artifacts were unearthed um last may along the savannah river in allendale county by uh university of south carolina archaeologist dr albert goodyear indicate that the sediments containing these artifacts or at least 50,000 years old, meaning that humans inhabited North America long before the last ice age. So you can go read that entire article that came out November 18th, 2004. And these different archeological discoveries are coming out every other week. Uh, They're causing the scientists and archeologists and paleontologists to push the timelines back. Okay. They keep having to push the timelines back. Uh, It's causing them to rethink everything. Now, uh, an October 2012 genetic study published in Science Magazine found that the Khoisan in Southern Africa are the oldest ethnic group of modern humans, with their ancestral line originating about 100,000 years ago. The Khoisan, formerly known, uh, formerly called by the derogatory term Bushmen, okay, the Khoisan are genetically uh, unique and no other currently known population had separated uh, so early from our common modern human ancestor according to the report now here's a picture of uh, two queson women as well okay all right so we go throughout history and look at uh, different archaeological discoveries that have come out recently, like this one here on the Greek island of Crete. In 2010, they found stone tools that date back 130,000 years ago. But Crete has been an island for more than five million years, and they're saying that this is uh, strong evidence of sailing in the Mediterranean uh, 130,000 years ago. And so these 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 were African. These had to be African people. And, and this shows us sailing at least 130,000 years ago we look at the lost city of egypt there's there are two lost cities of egypt tanis heracleion that was built around 8th century bc that is was swallowed into the sea tanis heracleion but then also dazzling Aten, which was discovered uh in 2021 okay dazzling Aten as well was another lost city okay um We'll look at uh, this one. This was a good discovery here out of Morocco, where they found remains of Homo sapiens uh, that date back uh, 300,000 to 350,000 years ago, and this is uh, uh, this is over 100,000 years earlier than the previous than the remains that they had that came out of Ethiopia that they said were the oldest remains of modern man that they dated back 195,000 years ago. These here in Morocco date back between 300,000 to 350,000 uh, years ago. Okay. And it shows we were migrating out of East Africa, uh, the Nile Valley region of East Africa, much earlier than a lot of the archaeologists, etc., had previously thought. Okay. So we go through and we look at different civilizations. We go through and, and, and look at this history. Uh, we look at uh, the African influence here in the U S we see the Washington monument is an ancient African symbol called a Tekken. Um, the Greeks called it an obelisk, And we see uh, Tekkens in New York city, London, England. Uh, we see them in Paris, France. These are, these are Tekken new Tekken new for plural that were taken from Africa. Ancient Egyptians called obelisks Tekkenu, and they were also used to tell time in the past. Um, Their pinnacles were basically covered in gold to reflect the sunlight. Historians say the obelisks represented immortality and eternity, and their long structure helped connect the heavens and the earth. Currently, Cleopatra's needle is the name given to three ancient Egyptian obelisks, one in New York City, one in London, England, and one in Paris, France. However, they do not all come from one Egyptian site. The obelisks in New York and London are carved out of red granite from the quarries of Aswan, a major source of stone for Egyptian antiquities. The two obelisks were commissioned by Nesubiti pharaoh Thutmose III, the temple of the sun in heliopolis near modern day cairo with each weighing about 224 tons and 68 feet tall check out this article from face to faceafricacom called cleopatra's needle how three ancient egyptian Uh, Obelisks ended up in New York City, London, England, and Paris, France, okay, and then we deal with, of course, Aset and Heru, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and Horus. We know there were at least 1,200 Tekkenu built in ancient times in ancient Kemet, but there are only about a dozen or less than a dozen are found in Egypt today. Many of the Tekkenu removed from Egypt are now in Istanbul, Turkey, London, England, Paris, France, Berlin, Germany, Uh, New York City, Rome, Italy, Vatican City, and elsewhere throughout the world. The Tekkenu are now called obelisks by their new owners, and few know their origin or that they symbolize the resurrection of the African king Asar. Uh, This is from page 17 of Egypt on the Potomac by Tony Browder. So we we also deal with Freemasonry and the African influence on Freemasonry as well and where those teachings come from. Uh, they come straight out of ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. We deal with the Black Madonna and Child. Uh, also, uh, we look at some of the different uh, Netaru, uh, the different deities in ancient Kemet. We look at things like Center Class and Joa de Piet. In Joa de Piet, Black Pete was a Moor. So, this deals with the history of the Moors in the Netherlands and Holland, but also in Spain uh, as well. Okay. So th- this is just a uh, brief overview of this ten-week online class. There's over fifty articles that we reference in the class. Um, it's about a hundred or so slides, something like that. Uh, with the slides, we also do with the film Black Panther. Okay, we talk about that in in the uh, in the class because there's a lot of African influences that we see in the film Black Panther and uh, the Panther deity Bast comes from the uh netter uh the deity bastet the goddess bastet out of ancient kemet and bastet was an ancient egyptian goddess worshipped in the form of a lioness and later a cat she was a goddess of warfare um in uh lower uh, egypt Lower kemet she was worshipped as early as the second dynasty 2890 bce so we'll, we'll, we deal with that and uh, uh, Black Panther. Um, then we go through and we look at uh, some of the history of the Moors as well. And uh, who, who were the Moors and the Moors going into the uh, Iberian Peninsula, today known as Spain and Portugal in 711 A.D., Uh, And they go in 710 led by Tarif, the general Tarif for the reconnaissance mission, but then go on in 711 AD led by Tariq Ibn Ziyad. And we know where they landed in the Iberian Peninsula. uh, They named the mountain Tariq's Mountain, Tariq's Mountain, uh, Jebel Tariq, Tariq's Mountain, which we call Gibraltar. So when you hear about the Rock of Gibraltar, that is a mountain named after an African man, Tariq Ibn Ziyad okay and then we uh look at what leads to the transatlantic slave trade taking place we look at the moors losing control of uh spain and that last stronghold granada january 2nd 1492 Um, we look at uh, christopher columbus and how columbus is is crucial to understanding the spread of the transatlantic slave trade and columbus never came to the land we call the united states of america the closest he came here was cuba which is 90 miles away. But we're going to see uh, Columbus is is, uh, responsible for the uh, decimation of 12 million to 25 million people. Uh, Right Reverend Bishop Ptolemy de las Casas, who traveled with Columbus on his voyages, some of his voyages, he estimated that Columbus was responsible for the murder of 12 million to 25 million uh, indigenous people. Now, Dr. David M. Hotep in the book, The First Americans Were Africans, documented evidence. He talks about how 70 percent of the people Columbus encountered on his four voyages uh, were were, uh, African people. Okay, so. Then we go through and we look at and we see what leads to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Okay, then we go through and, and analyze the transatlantic slave trade as well. All right, so this is a uh, 10 week online class. Uh, We don't give any tests. We don't uh, give any grades. You don't have to worry about that. But you're gonna learn a lot uh, in this class. How how do you all like this type of information? Give us a thumbs up, give us a heart, give us a like on this broadcast. How you like this type of information? Okay, you can use this with your children also. I would say the content is P13, it's not overly graphic. I don't do a lot of cursing or anything. Like that uh the class is going sell sixty dollars regularly 130 dollars. we have the uh information right on the home page of our website the african history network.com it's also in the description of this broadcast and uh we teach classes normally uh wednesday 7 p.m to 9 p.m eastern standard time and uh sunday uh, and tuesday 7 p.m to 9 p.m eastern standard time so uh, wednesdays is ancient kemet the moors and the maafa understanding the transatlantic slave trade uh, we do the sessions live, then all the sessions are archived and recorded. You can watch them on demand anytime. So a year from now, two years from now, you can go back and watch the entire course. Then uh, Tuesdays, uh, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And we start the class in, 18, in the year 1800. And we look at history chronologically, look at that 868-year period of time, okay? So, uh, we have a bundle pack for both classes, also. They're greatly discounted. Uh, so, you can register uh, for that here. We have the bundle packs. So, just click on uh, register here. You get both classes for $100. And uh, we have a um, promotion coming up for Black Friday. It won't include the courses because the courses are already greatly discounted, but it includes my, my DVD lectures and digital downloads. That we have on our website the African History Network.com, so look out for that as well. Okay, if you want to support the African History Network, also dollar sign the AHN show uh, through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App or through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. You can click on the links here and it takes you to our um, QR code. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, broadcast the uh. Uh, Our Sunday night show, the African History Network show, on Sundays that I've been doing uh, for twelve years, six years on nine ten a.m. on the Superstation WFDF here in Detroit. Okay, so you can support us that way as well. Uh, Saturday, I will be uh, at Pace Academy in uh, let's see, Pace Academy in Southfield, Michigan. Um, I'll be there for the uh, pop-up shop that uh, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated uh, is doing. Uh, My sister's at Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. I'll be a vendor there. So it's taking place 12 noon to 6 p.m. We're going to put that on our uh, homepage of our website, the African History Network. It's taking place uh, 12 noon to 6 p.m. And I also posted it on my personal page. I need to post it on uh, the African History Network fan page. Uh, Let me pull this up here. Where is this? Just a second. Um, Let me pull this up here. this is taking place. uh, This is for um, Small Business Saturday, Black Friday, and Small Business Saturday. It is taking place uh, Saturday... November 26th. Okay, this right here. Let's flip over to this here. Black Friday pop-up shop, Saturday, November 26th, 12 noon, to 6 p.m. Pace Academy, 23777 Southfield Road, two, three, seven, 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 Southfield road, Southfield, Michigan. Um, it's a free event, 12 noon to 6 PM. Come on out, support the vendors. Uh, we'll have a vendor booth there also for the African history network. So I have my DVD lectures, digital downloads. And also we have lectures now available on flash drive as well. So um, we put the lectures uh, on a flash drive and you just load it onto your computer. Uh, so it's cause a lot of people don't have DVD players. Uh, today. So we have uh, our lectures in DVD in digital download format and um, in uh, on flash drive also. OK. All right. Look, we have to get out of here. Remember, the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win Wakanda forever and uh, register for the class and we'll see you in class. OK, peace.